Hear the word of the Lord from Mark 7, 24 to 30. He got up and departed from the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, but he could not escape notice. Instead, immediately after hearing about him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Gentile. Yes. <laughs> Cyphernician by birth, and she was asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, because it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she replied to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, Because of this reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. When she went back to her home, she found her child laying on the bed, and the demon was gone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. All right, so we're in uh, Mark 7. Uh, we're just walking through the book of Mark. Glad to be here. Before we get there, though, um, I just want to tell you guys a little bit about uh, what the Lord uh, taught me while I was away. For those who don't know, um, I went to uh, Zambia, which is in southern Africa, and I got the opportunity to, to see what the Lord is is doing there um before I, before i left i was having a, a meeting with one of my mentors and and he was we were talking about how can you discern what the lord wants you to do and uh he suggested this book to me and the thesis of the book is this he says find what god is doing and join him in it find what god is already doing where do you see god at work and then just join him in doing that and so uh, when I went uh, on the trip, I thought to myself, you know, I, I want to, to hear from the Lord uh, what he wants me to hear. I, I want to pay attention. I asked the Lord to give me open eyes and, and open ears so that I could understand uh, what, what, he was, uh, what he was doing and, and what he wanted me to glean from it. So there's a couple things that I witnessed that I think um, he wants me to focus on and by extension us as a church to focus on. Uh, I got to go to uh, what they call a, a compound in Lusaka, Zambia. A compound is essentially the hood, okay, for lack of a better word. It's, it's the hood. A compound is just like a group of houses kind of jerry-rigged together. Uh, maybe some of them might have, have dirt floors and, and things like that. And the compound I got to go to was called Kalingalinga. Now, isn't that fun to say? Kalingalinga. I was saying Kalingalinga all day. Uh, but uh, yeah, I got to go to uh, Kalingalinga, and we met with the church there. Uh, it was Kalingalinga Highlands Baptist Church, and the pastor there, his name was Pastor Collins. And basically, it was a Saturday, uh, I think it was a Saturday morning, and we were going to go do evangelism. And the beautiful thing about it is it was local church-led evangelism. Like, they had already been doing it, and we got to join and what they were doing. And so uh, me and a team led by uh, one of the ladies of the church, uh, her name was Esther, we went around. And uh, luckily in Zambia, the, the, the language that they speak is English. Now everybody has a couple of other languages that they speak, but the lingua franca, if you will, is English. And so we went around and, and we just got straight to it. I mean, they were very zealous. Uh, the, the, the Zambian believers were so zealous. They're like, hey, how you doing? Like, let me talk to you about Jesus. Let's, let's, let's get to the point here. And I was just so, so encouraged to see their zeal and their faith. And I remembered as we were walking through the compound, I saw uh, this man, and it was a holiday day. It was, it was Africa Freedom Day. And basically what they said is on Africa Freedom Day, people get crunk, you know what I'm saying? 
Uh, so he was drunk, and I was like, oh, this reminds me of my, my home. Uh, <laughs> it was like, welcome out here. Uh, but, but, so he was, uh, he was, you know, a little inebriated, but I, we began to talk to him uh, about Christ, and uh, he began to cry, and basically he, he felt that uh, he was too bad. He, he felt like he had to clean himself up before he could come to Christ, and it just reminded me I have that exact same conversation here. And, I, and then we, we were able to tell him, listen, man, like, you don't have to worry about cleaning yourself up. You give your heart to Christ. Christ is the one who cleans you up. And, and for a couple of hours, we were out there, and I, I want to say there's, there's about five or six teams. Um, I think around 15 to 20 people prayed to receive Christ out there. Um, was very receptive. Now, one of the reasons we did it in conjunction with the local church is because obviously they need discipleship, right? And so the local church is going to follow up. But I just witnessed how bold and zealous they were about doing evangelism. And I thought to myself, we got to be like that. You know, in the early days of the church, uh, there really wasn't much of a church. So what I spent my time doing was walking around the streets sharing the gospel. And I really felt convicted uh, that the Lord wanted us to be about that again. And so I want to ask you to pray um, because the elders, we're going to get together, we're going to talk, we're like, how can we uh, have more uh, systematic, regular evangelism? And I'm going to train you. I'm going to train you how to do it. But we need to be about sharing that, that gospel you know, Romans 1.16, it says, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And even when we were walking, uh, one of the deacons of the church, he kind of was sharing his testimony. After we had talked to the man who was drunk, we were walking away, and he said, I used to be that man. I, I was a drunkard in this community, but somebody shared the gospel with me like we're doing right now, and the Lord changed my life. And he was walking with the Lord faithfully sharing the gospel. So I witnessed local church-led evangelism. The other thing that I witnessed was a desire for very clear gospel proclamation. Now, in Africa, uh, they have something called the prosperity gospel. I don't know if y'all heard about that here. Um, but it's this teaching that if, uh, if you give money, that God will give you even more money. And that God's desire for everybody is to have the nicest and flashiest things. It's one thing to hear that preached here. It's a whole nother thing to hear that preached where there's just such, uh, such poverty, such, such um, that people were just searching for jobs. I mean, as we were driving through the streets at every stoplight, somebody is there selling stuff because they didn't have a job. That was a job. I mean, they were selling candy, uh, fruit. Somebody tried to sell me a turtle. I was like, I'm good. Um, <laughs> they were just... They were just, they, were, they, they, they felt that, that need. They felt that, that existential need to provide, which is why the prosperity gospel, um, this teaching that if you give, God will just, just open the doors in your life, you don't have any suffering. It, it hits so hard there because they experience suffering on a, on a level that I don't know if, if we can uh, even imagine. Uh, for example, uh, most people, even though if they have electricity, they still cook over charcoal because they can't afford the electricity, even if they use it. Uh, bless you. Uh, and so that was, that was interesting, but one of the things that, that I noticed is I was talking to Pastor Collins, and I was talking to another uh, pastor 
Pastor, uh, I'm going to say his name wrong, Masando, he was the leader of the, the Baptists in Zambia. They were talking about how challenging it was because they were trying to be faithful to the scriptures, but the church next door was promising people all these riches and money. And so the church ne- churches next door were filled with people who wanted money and, and their needs met, but they didn't know about Christ. They didn't know the central things of the gospel. And I remember I was sitting there talking to Pastor Collins, and he was like, listen, like they can say what they want to say, but I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to preach this word because I have to stand before God. And I just, I, I took a lot of encouragement from that. So no, no matter what itching ears want to hear, these men, these Zambian pastors were diligent and said, I'm going to preach God's word. And I thought to, to myself, we, we have all different forms of, of uh, doctrine here in the States, but people uh, want to appeal to, the, to the, the itching ears to give you what you want. I, I don't know if prosperity, prosperity gospel does exist, but I think one of the things that exists even more is that I think people are really trying to make Christianity look cool. And I'm not trying to make it look whack, but, 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 but I'm just saying, like, like the, the epitome of Christianity is not to be cool. Is it cool to get persecuted? Probably not. And so no matter what somebody is desiring us to preach, we have to be faithful to God's word. We have to be faithful to what the scriptures teach because we'll have to stand before the Lord. I witnessed a desire for holistic ministry. I preached at a church there called uh, Fairview Baptist, and afterwards uh, they took me to the site of where they're going to uh, seek to build a new church. Now, the, the church that they had, it was meeting uh, uh, in another facility, and they were just talking about how uh, in the city, uh, the prices were, were so high that they had to, if they wanted a church, they had to buy it outside of the city. Now, in Greenville, we might know something about that, okay, <laughs> uh, that the property values are increasing, and it's, it's pushing people out. And so we went to where they were going to, to build, and they had, at this point, they had just enough money for the foundation. So the foundation was built. Uh, they had a, a play, another building for restrooms, but he began to tell me, he's like, I want this to be a, a, a training ground for pastors. I want this to be a place where they can come out from the city, they can get some refreshment, and that they can be equipped to go and preach the gospel here in Lusaka and across the country. Uh, he told me about uh, a truck stop that was kind of near. There's, there's actually a road there in Zambia that takes you all the way to Egypt. I mean, it's a long road. Um, but he was talking about how there's a lot of truck, truckers that come right through there. And because of that, there's a heavy prostitution. And he said, one of the reasons that we're building our church right here is because we want to minister to these folks. We want to minister to those who are engaged in prostitution, minister, ministering to those who are contracting HIV and AIDS. And I just thought, man, they obviously, from the first thing I said, they want to proclaim the gospel, but they also want to minister to the needs of the community and think long-term about how we're going to continue to train pastors and leaders for the future. And I thought, man, I want to be about that too. Uh, We want to keep the main thing the main thing, but, but we see real needs in our community. And the Lord has has, been, has blessed us abundantly. And so I want us to be praying and thinking, how can we use what the Lord has given us to help our community? You know, we, we raise money during Lent to help build that affordable housing, but I want to keep thinking in that direction. There are people in our community who have real and tangible needs. Let's be diligent to, to pray and ask God, how can we serve those around us?
And the last thing I want to tell you about is um, I was able to go to the, a monthly pastor's meeting on, on Monday morning, and it was about 65 local uh, Zambian pastors. And one of the beautiful things I want you to understand this is this was not like missionary-led. It was lo- like the local pastors were leading this. And I thought, I wonder what they're going to discuss. What are, what are we going to be here to talk about? And it was way more theological than I expected. They had Somebody gave a presentation on, is the death penalty biblical? That's how deep they got, okay? Because Zambia had just abolished it. And so one of the local pastors gave a presentation about that. And then after the presentation, uh, they began to discuss very respectfully, but discuss among themselves uh, using the teachings of the scriptures. And my point is not to to come on on one side or the other. What I'm communicating to you is that they love the scriptures so much that they are trying to think through uh, what is happening in their culture through a biblical lens. And this was not, this was, again, this is not led by Western missionaries. This was the indigenous leaders in Zambia, and they cared about strengthening one another and discussing scripture and theology so that they could be equipped to do the ministry that they had been given. And again, I thought about, man, we need to be about that too. We, we need not to be afraid to discuss complex things from the scriptures, to, to encourage one another to study deeply. Now, y'all know I'm a nerd, okay? But I want y'all to be a little bit of a nerd too when it comes to the scriptures, when it comes to theology, because people have real questions out there. The struggling, wanting to understand what does the Lord think about this or that? And we have the answer in the text that so we have to put in the work to look at the text, to discuss it with one another, and seek to discern what the Lord would say on these various things. And one thing I noticed is, is as I was talking to the pastors there, there was, there was some sense to which the needs that they communicated to me felt overwhelming. You know, uh, they're like, we need to train passions. We got to combat this false doctrine. We want to, uh, and eventually they, you know, they, they were a country that received missionaries, but one of the, what, what the leaders of the, their Baptist um, convention said, we don't want to only receive, we want to send. We, we want to send African missionaries from here. Now, now you think about that. Um, it takes money to send missionaries, right? And, and they, were, they were working hard to develop strategies so that it's not just receiving missionaries, but the Lord has given them something to contribute uh, to the mission of the Lord. But when I heard about the needs, uh, that I felt overwhelming, overwhelmed. But if, if I can be honest, sometimes when I look at the needs in our community, I feel overwhelmed too, if I can just be honest. I'm like, how can this happen? How, how can we uh, be equipped towards evangelism? How can we uh, speak clearly the gospel? How can we minister and serve with all, with all these needs so that we can have holistic ministry? How can we equip believers to be theological and can answer these questions? It, it feels overwhelming. And sometimes, I'm not going to lie, I can think to the Lord and I'm like, why can't these things be fixed sooner rather than later? Can't you just do it? Can't, Lord, can't you just give the Zambians the money so they can send some missionaries? Can't you just give us what we need so we can, we can do what we need to do? Can't you just save the person that I've been sharing the gospel with over and over again and they just keep looking at me? Why? Why? And I've learned in prayer the importance of being persistent and asking the Lord for help rather than having silent despair or bitterness. 
It's very easy when you're seeking the Lord for something and it's taking longer than you want it to that you'll stop praying and start just going, well, well, look, well you're doing it over there. Why can't you do it for me? Why, why can't it happen as fast as I want? And then you can find yourself so wrapped up in bitterness and frustration or trying to figure out why the Lord isn't doing this or that, that you actually stop praying. You can just sit there and, and bathe yourself in bitterness and frustration. But what we need, what we need, and from this text, what we need is we need to not be uh, uh, bothered with bitterness and silent despair. We need to keep asking Jesus for the help we need. We need to keep asking Jesus for the help we need in evangelism. We need to keep asking Jesus to help us to be faithful proclaimers of the gospel. We need to keep asking Jesus to give us the resources and the ideas to do this holistic ministry. We need to keep asking Jesus to equip us with scriptural knowledge and theology. So as I dig into the text, uh, let's pray. Father, please help us to understand your word. It is written for our good. So Lord, help us to receive what you are speaking to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, when you look at verse 24, it says, Jesus, he got up and departed there to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, but he could not escape notice. Now, I got to say something in Zambia that I say to y'all a lot. Context is? Context is king, okay? So what's, what's going on? We need to remember, why is Jesus tired? He's not mean. He doesn't want to be alone because he doesn't like people. Remember that he had just done that miracle of multiplying the bread to feed over 5,000 men. He had just walked on water. He had just calmed the storm. He had just healed tons of people on the shores of Gennesaret. And then after that, in Mark 7, verses 1 through 23, Jesus was in a conflict with the Pharisees. The conflict about elevating tradition over God's word. Needless to say, if you're serving, if you're seeking to help people, you're praying for people, and then you get engaged in a theological debate, you're going to be tired. Yeah? And Jesus was tired. And Jesus, he went to a Gentile or a non-Jewish area with the expectation that he would have rest from ministry. Okay? He's like, maybe if I go over here. I can just chill a little bit. I need y'all to hear this. We've been saying this a lot lately, but you need to hear that if we are going to be faithful workers for the Lord, then we have to have a rhythm of rest and retreat, okay? Jesus was trying to embody that rhythm of rest with the Lord and work. And he said, I'm in, I'm in a time now where I just need, need to rest. And that's not an ungodly thing, okay? One of the things that, that we get from the parallel scripture in the book of Matthew when it recounts this story is that one of the, the ways that Jesus rested is that he had close fellowship with his disciples, and that was a means of rest. What I, what I was reminded again when I was in Zambia, how, how the, these pastors, that, that pastors, I mean, they cared for one another, they prayed for one another, and that, that, that refreshed my own soul, and I know it refreshed their soul. There have been times when I've been fresh by you. Some of you have come and refreshed me with God's word. I need that refreshment. Listen, we need to be a people that spend time with each other. Beloved, it is very important that we gather here on Sunday mornings, but it's also important that you gather together other times. One of the most encouraging things to me is when I hear that people spent time together, that like the church didn't make it happen. Like the church as an institution didn't make it happen. I'm like, oh, y'all hung out together? And you'll find your soul is refreshed. We need to rest and retreat together because the Lord uses one another to refresh us, okay? 
So let's get to the meat of the story. In verse 25 26, we need, we need to learn that we ought to pray persistently. Verse 25, instead, immediately after hearing about him, a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she was asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Now, there's a couple of cultural things that we need to understand to understand how, how, how great or how bold a prayer she, she was doing. Listen, she was a Gentile coming to a Jewish person. and that time, there was great ethnic animosity between the two. Great ethnic animosity. As a matter of fact, sometimes when, when a Jewish person would travel, and if, if it was a straight line to go through a Samaritan area, they would take a longer route just so they didn't have to be in the presence of those quote-unquote dirty Samaritans. Nevertheless, despite that social taboo, she came to Jesus, and it, says, it didn't say she asked one time, it says she was asking him, meaning that it was a persistent thing. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. I know it might be awkward that I'm here. I know your people and my people might not get together, but I need some help. Jesus, will you help me? Not only was that that, that ethnic tension, there was a tension because she was a woman coming to a man. In that culture, that was improper. That she would be so forward to enter the housing quarters of a teacher, a man who was a teacher, but she was like, I need help. I'm willing to break some social taboos. I'm willing to to be in an awkward situation. If I need to come to you for help, Jesus, I'm going to press through and I'm going to come to you. She came to Jesus anyway. And I, I don't know what you think might separate you from Jesus. I don't know what thing you think that you have done that might separate you from Jesus. But listen, listen, she had no idea if she was welcome in Jesus' presence. But beloved, we do. We do. And in in Hebrews, it says, says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not come to a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Catch this. This is Hebrews 4.16. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, with boldness, so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. I don't know what is in your mind that makes you hesitate to bring your knees to the Lord, but you need to understand that Jesus is welcoming you into his presence because he understands what it's like to suffer and struggle and be weak and endure all the complications of this life, yet he was out without sin, died in our place so that we could come to him with boldness. Jesus wants us to take our needs to him. John 14, 13, Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. In other words, God is glorified when his needy people go to him in prayer and he answers it. You need to understand, Jesus isn't like, well, I don't know if I like you or not. Why are you asking me for that thing again? No, no, no. Faith is demonstrated in persistent asking and I, I, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I did not understand that until I had kids. I really did not understand that. I thought, why would I keep, if I asked and didn't say nothing, why would I keep asking? Well, that, that's not how my children think. 
Why they keep asking? Because they're like, if I keep asking, I'm going to get that thing. (laughs) Beloved, let's ask God for what we desire as a church. Let's ask God to help us do holistic ministry. Let's ask God to help us have bold and clear evangelism. Let's Let's ask God to help us have theological development in our mind. What is it that you need from the Lord? Maybe you are experiencing some some real and true need. Do not stop asking Jesus for those things. You can go to him with boldness because he loves you. Some in here, you might be struggling with this sin. And you're like, I cannot get over it. It keeps dogging me and dogging me and dogging me. And I say, you, you go to Jesus and say, Jesus, free me. Give me holiness. And you keep doing it over and over again because you have an expectation that he will answer. Beloved, we seek Jesus. And we seek him persistently, not because we don't think he cares, but because we know he does. Because we know he does. You know, in verse 27, there's there's some harsh language there. And it teaches us that sometimes, let's just keep it real, we don't understand why our prayers seem rejected or delayed. We don't understand that, right? Look at verse 27. He said to her, let the children be fed first. Because it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. Did Jesus just call this lady a dog? (laughs) What? That reply seems incredibly rude, does it not? She's like, I need help. Go on, dog. You know, (laughs) like, what what is going on? (laughs) Jesus, what are you doing? Now, again, context is. All right. So listen, listen, there's this parallel, parallel account in Matthew 15 of the same story. And what that tells us is that when she came, the disciples were saying to him, send her away, send her away, get her out of here. I think one of the things that Jesus was doing is that he's drawing attention to the Jewish racism that existed in the day. Because if you weren't a Jew, a very common name for a Jewish person to call you was a dog. Okay. And so, so Jesus is, 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 is letting them, is basically putting in his mouth what they were thinking in their hearts. That's what he's doing. And he's demonstrating something to his disciples. He wanted to demonstrate that a person with quote-unquote low status can demonstrate great faith. Because the reality, if you remember the stories that we've been going through, time and time again, the disciples, they were not demonstrating great faith. They were constantly doubting, what are you doing? Are we going to be okay? And this woman whom they would have looked down on and would have called her a dog comes to Jesus persistently and has faith and receives what she asked for. He was drawing attention so that he could cut at the heart of their ethnocentrism. Now, here's the deal. We, We can know this reasoning, but the woman didn't know that reason. She wasn't thinking, well, Jesus is probably trying to demonstrate. She didn't know that. And listen, whatever the reason of Jesus' delayed response, she didn't know why. And have you been there? Have you been asking the Lord? And you're like, I think this is a good thing to ask for. I don't even think this is selfish. I think this is something I would honor you. Why in the world will you not answer this? I don't, I can't, like, I don't know if you've ever been there. You're like, you're like, am I praying amiss? Am I praying for the flesh? Am I praying because it's wrong? You're like, I don't, I really don't think so. 
I think, I think it's something that will honor the Lord, but I still, I just don't understand why he is taking so long. Here's the thing. She didn't know the larger theological reason why Jesus said what he said, but she prayed humbly and persistently anyway. In verse 28, it says, but she replied to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. But even though she may not have understood the seeming rejection and the delayed response, she asked anyway. This is, this is, this is something I need to hear because I, I, I like to think and analyze things. And I, I could spend so, so much time analyzing why something didn't go the way that I wanted to go that I forget that instead of analyzing, I just need to pray. Instead of pondering, why did it not work out this? No, no. I need, Jesus, I, please, I'm here again. It's me. Hello. Can you give me the thing? I'm here. Listen, listen. And what, what I love is that she demonstrated such humility. She said, okay, I'm a dog. Dogs still get help too. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, listen. Lord, she, she, she said, I might be sinful. I might be weak. I might be imperfect. But could you help me anyway? Yeah. Beloved, you need to hear that. You might be going, there's this one thing, this one thing, and that's probably the thing that's keeping him from him. Listen, listen, if you're sinful, ask him anyway. If you're weak, ask him anyway. If you're imperfect, ask him anyway. You boldly come to him. Listen, we, we may not understand the immediate reasons for delayed prayer. Now, the, the, the scripture does address it. There's some, there's some reasons, right? Like, like, the answer of not yet may be in order to develop your character. The scripture is very clear that suffering helps us to develop a character that, that honors Christ. Uh, the answer may be no for our ultimate good. You ever wanted something and you didn't get it, and then in retrospect, you're like, oh, that's probably a good idea. Right? Sometimes it's no because God's like, and I, I got this. I know you want that. But what you want, just, just trust me. Just trust me, right? Whatever God's decision, the scripture teaches us that he is sovereign and that he is good. But here's the, here's the deal. Hear this. But don't let your speculation deter you from asking anyway. She didn't, she didn't, she didn't offer a theological argument to Jesus. She, didn't, she, she just said, I just need help. Please. I'm a dog. Cool. Whatever. I humble myself before you. Help me. And my daughter is sick. Would you please help her? And we see in the text in verse 29 and 30 that Jesus recognized her faith and persistence. Verse 29 says, then he told her, because of this reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. When she went back home, she found her child lying on the bed and the demon was gone. You need to hear this. Jesus recognizes and honors persistent faith. He, he just, I, I don't, and here's the deal. As someone who's prone to, to think about theology, I like to, I, I want to like really make that really pretty and clean and try to explain the next thing. I don't know. The Bible just say that Jesus recognizes and honors persistent faith. In fact, in the Matthew version of this account, it says that he marveled. He says, I haven't seen this kind of faith in Israel. 
I ain't seen this kind of favor around among God's people who be up in the synagogue every day. I ain't never seen this. But because she asked me humbly with faith and persistence and perseverance, I will answer her. So, so that means that, that when we are praying, we do not need to give up. If you notice something, you notice that we pray for the same things every week, don't we? Do we not? Why do we do that? Because I still want it to happen. <laughs> for the salvation and blessing of our neighbors living here. I haven't seen it to the degree that I want to see it. I don't understand why it isn't happening, but I'm going to just keep asking. And we're going to keep asking. And we can have times where we can think about the strategy and, and we can wonder why God made it. I, that's fine. We can do that. But, but whatever we do, let's not stop asking. Whatever we do, uh, listen, I want to see my neighbors know Christ. I want to see him glorified and lifted high. I want to see a church planting movement among, among the underserved here in our city and beyond. And I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know if we're going to get the resources. I don't know if we're going to get the people. And we can sit down and think about all that stuff. But listen, whatever we do, let's not stop asking. Because Jesus honors persistent faith. The question is this, how could we have such confidence that God hears our prayers? In fact, I'll tell you this, in fact, in the Old Testament, it says that the, the Lord, it specifically says the Lord does not li listen to the prayers of sinners. I don't know about you. <laughs> so how are we going to have confidence? Why do we have this confidence? Listen, we can have confidence because the Father was silent to the son and his prayers in the garden and his prayers in the cross. In Mark 14, it describes when he's in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He told them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. He went a little further, fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. So Jesus, he did it three times. He persistently said, take this cup away from me. There are times in the scripture where the father does respond. Like Jesus will pray, like thunder will happen, and he'll be like, oh, okay, I guess God heard him. There was no response. There was no response this time. And, and it was, we know it's not because he was a sinner. We, we, we know it was because he, he didn't have any ill will in his heart. Why was the Father silent? Because Christ was going to the cross, and he was being treated like a sinner. A sinner who did not deserve to have his prayers paid attention to. Why did he walk that road? So that in his substitution, in him hearing that silence, we would hear the Father's yes. There's a trade that takes place. Our sin is put on Jesus. His righteousness is put on us. So listen, we can go to the throne of grace boldly knowing full well that we got issues, okay? But beloved, Jesus was not heard in that moment so that I would be heard, so that you would be heard.
We can have confidence because the Father was silent on the cross to the Son. Mark 15, 34. When Jesus is on the cross, it says, At three, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Labat Shabbatani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And again, no response. No response. Jesus is on the cross bearing the penalty and the consequence for our sin. And he wasn't heard because on that cross he was treated like we ought to be treated. But beloved, he did that so that we can be treated how he ought to be treated. Because the Father loves the Son. And the same love that the Father has for the Son, he has for those in Christ. That is your inheritance, Christian. That you can go boldly. And, and listen, listen. A lot of times when you want to ask somebody something, you go, don't you remember what I've done for you? Maybe, not. I mean, maybe y'all ain't bitter like that. Sometimes I do that. Look, you won't, you won't do this for me. Do you remember I did this and this and this? And what's up? Listen, listen. When we go to God, say, God, will you do this because of what Jesus has done? Because of what he has done for me. Listen, that, that's our, he's our representative, our advocate, the one who covers us in his righteousness so that we can go boldly to the throne of grace persistently again and again and again. So, so y'all, we have to pray humbly and persistently because Jesus hears us. Now, here's an interesting thing I've noticed about prayer. There's, there's, depending on what tradition you come from, there's different kinds of prayer. I done been in Pentecostal churches where we, you, know, you pray, you be sweating and stuff. I done been in liturgical churches. Here's the funny thing about it. Everybody asks the same thing. <laughs> Even if you think, you're, if you're like, we, we don't believe in liturgical prayer. We're going to pray from the heart. You'll notice every Sunday, like, I heard that last Sunday. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because we ought to pray humbly and persistently because Jesus hears us. Yeah? Every day I want to ask you, I want to ask you that you would pray for our church. It don't matter if it's the same thing. Just keep praying. Keep praying. Being persistent and humble. And I, I know that. I know that you got stuff going on in your family. You keep praying that same thing for your family. Pray it over and over again. You don't even got to get fancy with it. Just say the same thing. Because Jesus honors humble and persistent prayer. And I know you got stuff that you're like, I really want the Lord to do this. Don't give up. Be persistent and pray. I believe that if we are persistent and humble in our prayer, we will see answers to them. Not because we're great, but because Jesus is great. And that God would be honored as he answers our persistent prayer. So beloved, don't, don't give up. I don't want to give up. I don't want y'all to give up. Again, I'm going to say it again. I want to see our church with a bold evangelistic witness, knowing full well that we don't have power in ourselves to make that happen. We just can't turn. We just can't do that thing. But we can ask God for it. I, I, I want to see our, our church boldly proclaim the truth of God's word with power. I can't make that happen. We need the Lord to help. 
I want us to be creative and do all kinds of holistic ministry because if you keep your ear to the ground in our neighborhood, there are a myriad of issues and needs. And I want us to help. And I don't know how we're going to do it, but we can pray. So, beloved, don't, don't give up. We need to keep asking Jesus for the help we need in prayer. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We thank you that you honor humble, persistent prayer. And Lord, I pray that, that we would be a people who would model that, who would do that, so that you would be glorified in our lives. Would you equip us with every good thing that we need to be faithful to you? And Lord, there are times when we should do self-examination. There's times when we should ponder this or that. But let that never stop us from praying boldly. Lord, we ask you that your kingdom would come in our church. That your kingdom would come through our church and that it would touch our community. That your will would be done. We would ask for a holiness. Holiness in us. Lord, something that we can't do, but we ask you again, make us holy. We ask you that you will provide for our needs. Lord, we are needy, but you have abundant provision. Lord, would you forgive us of our sins? It's so sad that we have to ask you every day, but you are willing to forgive every single day. And Lord, would you, would you deliver us from the power of the evil one? May Christ be glorified in our individual lives, in our families, and our life together as a church. In Jesus' name, amen.